first and foremost, I would like to note that I'm writing a portion of today's copy on the back of my resume. Additionally, I received recently a check for $24.88 from the theater under the stars, apparently. This is for vacation pay, so thank you. Now, uh, additionally, on top of that, one moment. I received a second check from the Wortham Center Operating Company, which is the Wortham Center Group Theater in downtown Houston, for $15.99, which is also, I'm assuming, for vacation pay. Thank you for that as well. Uh, now, welcome to AP56. I am Ash Rabain, your host, and today we'll be discussing a few things. One, the desperation of individuals in the art marketplace, focusing on stories of fraud, uh, and the curious case of the cardboard box skiats by Nate Freeman, an arts columnist and staff writer at uh, Vanity Fair. Um, before that, though, I will be talking to you with a brief review of readings from an exhibition by a Houston arts legend uh, named Wayne Gilbert, uh, who recently passed, uh, leaving a hole in the arts community as somebody who's been in this this ecosystem since the 80s as well as a member of the sober community i think you'll enjoy some of those readings and then last of course we'll have a brief monologue which is always fun so without further ado let's get into it can't really get into too much about the first time that I met Wayne. It was probably 2014, 15, or 16, one of those years, as an employee at the Station Museum of Contemporary Art under the legendary direction of uh, the director, Jim Harithus, who at the time was uh, right on board uh, with displaying Wayne in this exhibition, that, uh, which name escapes me at the moment. But, uh, you know, Wayne was a very pleasant gentleman to be around, and his work was uh, quite interesting and dynamic. And I'm going to read you a little bit <clears throat> from the excerpts from his most recent exhibition, which is probably ending today, August 19th, at the Redbud Gallery here in Houston, run by our friends Tanya and Gus. So, Wayne Gilbert... Uh, Born 1946, that's old, is a true Texas original, having been active in the Houston area since the wild and woolly days of the 80s, curating, dealing, organizing spaces, and creating his own extraordinary artworks. He creates stunning meditations on the primal stuff of life, stunning meditations of the primal stuff of life, and death, using human ash as his primary artistic medium. Uh, you heard me right. Uh, this is an artist who uses human ashes uh, in his paintings. Um, you may react the way that I reacted when I first heard this, but I'll guarantee you as I go on, or no, I, I can't guarantee you anything, but I, I would tell you that if you saw some of these pieces, <clears throat> such as the ones that are on view at uh, Redbud Gallery, or some of the ones that we had at the station at the time, right? You would probably feel very, very strongly about uh, 
the one the use of human remains human ashes for sure but then also about the the av added gravitas that you know you might say of uh, painting and uh, the seriousness of a work once the medium is uh, a byproduct of a living individual not just any living individual but a human being you know right I mean we have artists like uh, what's his name Frederick uh, I think I might have mentioned this before but we have artists who work with pig's blood uh, definitely leaves quite an impression but human remains it's a completely different conversation so um, I'm gonna read a I'm going to read from uh, Wayne himself. On a fall day in 1998, the idea crossed my mind that I could use human remains in the construction of my paintings. I felt that I had connected with the mystical medium I was looking for to clearly convey my personal relationship to art. I worked this material into a painting and thereby introduced the essence of a human being, quote, a concept integral to the piece I was working on. The materials seemed to match the concepts I wanted to address within my body of work, philosophy, psychology, theology, history, society, and ethics, or pardon me, aesthetics. With my process, I was breaking free of my own limitations. I've experienced all types of reactions as the appearance of human cremains can defiantly, definitely evoke a response from most people. My hope is that my work will continue to promote a healthy questioning of how we individually perceive our relationship to what it means to be a human being. Through painting, I invite all to ponder the deeper meaning of existence and how we interact with this mysterious journey. Art and drawing have been a bright light and a beacon to my own thoughts about life. As I feel if you wait for life to make sense, you'll miss it. I hope that somebody passing by my work will sense that it has meaning for them and that I am trying to convey a kinship with them as well as all humans through our shared mortality. None of us understands the mystery of life and death, but I hope the viewer sees my art as a confirmation that we all pass the same way in our brief but fascinating experience, that the gratification of living outweighs the suffering of misfortune and the inevitability of death. The people whose remains are at the heart of my work, although anonymous, achieve a great degree of immortality as they symbolize this experience. My work is a testament to them. Thank you from Whale, Wayne D. Gilbert. I gotta say, uh, I was uh, initially a bit uh, taken aback by the news of passing away and I had actually just had a dream uh, or maybe it was a daydream of visiting him uh, just last week and I said to myself you know what I'll go by after I stop over at Redbud and uh, uh, went over uh, took a pint of ice cream uh, because it's very kind to come bringing gifts specifically uh, dairy products if you want to 
be good to the people and your friends. And this is when uh, they informed me that he had passed the night before. Um, this is coming on the heels of the uh, great loss to the Houston arts community of uh, Jesse Lott, a, uh, is the word magnanimous? I, 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 you know, a, a sculptor in this city. And then prior to the passing of uh, Jim Harithus, who was uh, one of my mentors and a uh, curator and a writer and a visionary in many respects. And it signifies to me the change in the times, the change in generations as the batons are passed voluntarily or involuntarily over to the next groups, right? The next class of curators or uh, 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 artists, right? Or, or, or experimenters or rebellious, uh, you know, youth, which, you know, we, you, you would say that in his 30s, I think uh, uh, that was when Wayne somewhat came to be, right? Um, at least as we know him now as an artist. Right, born in 1946. Um, yeah, I, I, this is this is a very time will always march on, and our bodies are just byproducts left in the wake of that march. And what we do with that time is how we measure each other's significance, how we measure our own significance. <sighs> this is life. This is life. I'm going to now read a brief um, uh, piece of writing from Bill Arning, who is a wonderful fellow here in the city of Houston. Used to be, well, he runs the Bill Arning Contemporary Art Consultants Group, and I think he also may have a gallery here in town, but he was at one point the executive director of the Contemporary Arts Museum in Houston for about nine years. And, you know, he's a, curator, collector, uh, many decades of experience, and you see him around town every once in a while. I see him sometimes when I'm walking to the opera. Anyways, nonetheless, uh, this is the reading now. Wayne Gilbert is a true Texas original, having been active in the Houston area since the wild and woolly... Wait a moment. Okay, no, sorry. Yes, that is in fact the correct uh, copy. So it, some of it was used as the um, introductory text. So let me continue. Wayne Gilbert is a strong is a true Texas original, having been active in the Houston area since the wild and woolly 80s, 
curating, dealing, organizing spaces, and creating his own extraordinary artworks. He creates stunning meditations on the primal stuff of life and death using human ash as his primary artistic medium. When I arrived as a museum professional to Houston in 2009, my museum's senior curator, Toby Camps, knew of my alternative art lineage. Unlike most museum officials, I had a tendency to favor works that would upset sensitive souls. He alerted me to Houston-based Wayne Gilbert's importance during an introductory lunch with Gilbert, I met a confident artist who knew himself to be brave and unique visual practitioner engaging the biggest human concerns. Gilbert, also, Gilbert asked almost innocently if the reason he had remained obscure outside of Texas was because he had chosen to remain in Houston or because he used dead people as an art medium. I was sure it was a little bit of both. I decided he was due to receive a serious consideration not only outside Texas, but globally. Wayne has a relationship with a funeral home that gives him unclaimed left-behind boxes of ash. He mixes the ash with a gel medium and uses a palette knife to spread the material into its form and shape. It's important to know that each of the various earth tones, colors, is unique to the person in the box. It appears that each of us have our own earth tone color. He decides then on the image, always focused on the iconography and or mortality, uh, which one can argue is always the substance of great art. From the painted word intercourse, the act that starts the process that leads to being born and therefore inevitably dying. He depicted the symbols of the world's religions interlocked, the mental constructs that help us mitigate the fear of the inevitable. Several works also remind us of the Whitmanesque poetry of having one's own human remains become the stuff of new plants, essentially allowing us to be reborn into a new life. Wayne Gilbert, midway through his 70s, is was active curating, running a gallery in Houston Heights called G-Spot, and constantly painting. There have been scores of articles written about him and one documentary film. He has written detailed statement about why human remains attracted him. He has no illusions about his path in art, knowing that most people will not choose to live with him in their homes. He felt compelled to return repeatedly to the most primal material, life and death as substance and content of his art. Gilbert's art is not for everyone, and I've been rebuffed by many with whom I have tried to share my enthusiasm for this extraordinary work but for those with a healthy understanding of the inexorable interwoven nature of death within and throughout life, few artists have ever matched his extraordinary achievements. And that is from Bill Arning. Furthermore, um, in art news for the week, month, uh, I'm going to read a few pieces uh, from this uh, article in Vanity Fair, which is about the curious case of 
The Cardboard Basquiats by Nate Freeman, an art columnist over there. And uh, let's get into it. So the tagline here on this article is, a show of lost works by the celebrated artist Jean-Michel Basquiat at the Orlando Museum of Art was meant to be a blockbuster. Then the feds came knocking. On a Friday in June 2022, 22, pardon me, a swarm of federal agents piled out of government vans and into the Orlando Museum of Art, a 98-year-old institution abutted by several lakes. The feds, they moved past staffers, crowds there to see heroes and monsters, an exhibition filled with what were billed as never-before-seen works by Jean-Michel Boxiat. When the show had opened several months earlier, thousands came through in its first few days. Attendance was up 500% during the exhibition. I mean, can you just imagine? You're at the museum, and a bunch of guys wearing suits khaki pants and black polos <laughs> uh, come in you know walking with some serious intention I could only imagine but I digress but questions about the authenticity of the works had dogged the show and now the feds had arrived warrant in hand, seemingly confirming the doubters. The day before the raid, a U.S. magistrate judge had signed an application to secure a search warrant filled by the FBI's art crime team that indicated that works on the wall could actually be contraband, fr contraband fruits of crimes, or other items illegally possessed, as the application put it. The agents proceeded to strip the walls while visitors there uh, uh, perused and spent money at the gift shop stocked with Basquiat themed merch you know um, by that evening it was national news all the while Aaron de Grof, the director of the museum was in Italy on vacation with his wife he was fired four days, days later they simply cut off my email he told me this spring in his first extensive interview since his dismissal still it wasn't a complete shock the FBI had been investigating this. So, getting fired for an exhibition of, um, of fake works uh, seems rather appropriate, right? Um, it doesn't help that he was out of the country in Italy on vacation. It's like when Ted Cruz was out of the country uh, in, where was he at? Costa Rica or something? Uh, when, when the... Uh, hurricane hit the city or hit the state right of Texas however how far did they go back to KYC right to know their customer to 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 do the provenance on these pieces right there's a lot of questions here there's a lot of questions here and um, Let's carry on. I'm gonna skip a bit uh, because I think you get the idea of what's going on here. So, the person who provided these works, a fellow named 
uh, Barsman, um, Michael Barsman, a North Hollywood uh, auctioneer. Apparently, he confessed that these works were counterfeit. But in some way, in some way or another, this is still in question. I mean, the guy Mark Barsman, he says that he confessed, well not he says, but he confessed to the FBI that he made all of these Basquiat's himself, along with a friend, uh, creating some of the pieces in as little as five minutes, and then sold them over eBay, splitting the profits. And although he sold forged works knowingly, the government declined to charge him with wire fraud and instead levied the lesser offense of making false statements to a government agency, which carries a maximum sentence of five years. Uh, why? Why is this fellow getting charged less there's no debate the works were fake that's fraud it's not just wire fraud but it's also you know you're defrauding the public right yeah okay firing the fellow was definitely absolutely appropriate um But there's more to the story. All the individuals who were involved in the purchase of the works, whether uh, directly or secondhand, from um, Barsman, you know, they have gone on to suggest that uh, Barsman took a plea deal, which was actually just to save his own hide because maybe some of the works were fake and but no the ones that they purchased were the real ones um, it's a very interesting look into human uh, uh, greed human behavior right because we're talking about the Basquiat who uh, people associate with billionaires and uh, uh, Musicians, Jay Z, Beyonce, uh, sixty-seven million dollars at uh, an auction. He's out of this world. He's out of the stratosphere. So, if you can get away with it, yes. But there, there's no way for them to prove it.
to prove that these works were legitimate. I don't really want to... The story's really not that interesting to me. To, it's really more of a... Just a brief look into... An over 10 year... Episode... Of uh, fraud. I think one thing that is a bit interesting about the case... Is that... Um, Barsman... The... Guy who hatched the plan... To uh, make the fakes... Uh, with his... Uh, art partner, right, that he hasn't had health insurance since 2007, um, had lots of medical debt, denied appointments, um, pre-existing condition since he was a child, multiple surgeries on his leg due to a, a tumor, so this is a person who would Do, do things for for cash, right? You understand? This is a person who would willingly come up with new schemes. And the article goes into detail about this, you know, uh, about how the Basquiat estate was no longer authenticating works after 2012. Um, there's all these different <clears throat> supposed endorsers of the works being authentic somebody named Diego Cortez who was an old associate of Basquiat who saw the works in person um, and was going to uh, or maybe possibly stated that you know <laughs> quote a lot of people don't appreciate how good John Musket John Michelle was at drawing these pieces reflected the strong graphic work with a central iconic figure that typifies his work from that period. That guy, he's dead. He died in June 2021 before it opened. Um, his old graffiti partner, somebody named Al Diaz, uh, is supposed to have seen, said that uh, they look real. Gave him a thumbs up. But then when discussed, when interviewed later by this uh, Nate Freeman, the, he responded to them, says, of course, I've never seen him, Basquiat, doing stuff on shitty cardboard. I've never believed they were real. The owners called me and I was like, I don't want anything to do with your collection. The way Mangan approached me. He was acting like a Texas tycoon, like he was really trying to set me up to believe that these are really nice people. I didn't believe that it was real at all. This is just... This is just fraud and desperation and people trying to leverage, um, you know, a dead artist, right? How hard could it be to verify, I mean, works actually if there's no provenance, right? Well, I'll tell you what you get. You need to do. You need to have a variety of people who are going to try to authenticate the works as these, this collection of people had. The Venice Collection Group, right? They paid a, um, a... Uh, art history professor $60,000 to um, 
grant them a license to use her report with the marketing and the sale of the painting where she stated that um, uh, these are marvelous works in excellent condition that have many of the distinctive elements of Basquiat's best paintings, right? $60,000 for a verification. Okay. Okay. There's a lot there. I suggest anybody to read the article. Um, it is a interesting examination of how we will trick ourselves and trick others. But it's also an interesting examination into how art is one of the only asset classes that can create value out of seemingly nothing, right? Because like either the, either the pieces are worth hundreds of thousands or possibly millions, or they're absolutely worthless. And there's these two guys from the FBI's art crime team, Robert Whitman, who was the founder, and then uh, the current uh, art crime directing agent, Alan Grove. They say, look, if you have a situation like this, uh, the, the, the paintings are probably going to end up in what they call forfeiture, where the government can put them in, in people's houses during drug stings to signify that they're big-time art collectors. But if they're not put into forfeiture by the uh, government, then they're probably going to end up being destroyed, which I think that they should be anyway. Um, you know, it's a shame that our brother Basquiat didn't live longer so that he could dispute these claims directly. And also, it's a, is it, thank you, it's a shame that the style is so, people feel that it's so easily replicable. You know, that just is a, it's a, it's a, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. I would like to see in Basquiat retrospective so I could do a further examination into his style of work. But from what I understand, people have compared it to a very elementary, and I have done so myself, an elementary drawing style, which wasn't able to mature properly. So anyways, um, that's all we got there. But, you know, people are struggling. Um, there are more people than jobs. Wages are stagnant while the prices are rising. Dreams are deferred and passed on to the next generation. Signs are being erected along the highway in Houston, warning of fentanyl deaths, addiction, despair, anxiety. These are all common characteristics, right, that people say that they're going through. People feel crushed by the deindustrialization of the United States, crushed by debt. So we turn to drinking and distractions where we are at our worst. And then, you know, when we're at our best, we're exercising and turning to community and to the arts. So you tell me what you make of all this, right? When the generation before you uh, is dying, uh, you know, rest in peace to um, our brother Wayne Gilbert. When the generation before you is dying and then people are abdicating responsibility, where do you turn, you know?
I sit here with a, a bit of a Spanish breakfast provided by my lovely future wife. And I have a, a Budweiser, King of Beers, and a notepad with several names of wealthy elites from my city. I turn to politics for solutions. I turn to building. I turn to my ideals and to the vision of liberty. I know it's not the end of humanity. It's not the end of America. It's not the end of me, and it's not the end of you. Uh, thank you for listening. This is AP56. Good luck, everyone. Good luck. Thank you.